Hello and welcome to Bite Back Chats Books. We have a special treat for you today, namely an interview with former MP and Home Secretary turned commentator Jackie Smith. As the author of several of our books and a political powerhouse, she definitely knows her parliamentary history. So what better person to sit down and talk with during our history theme day? As we've been social distancing, my questions and her answers have been recorded separately. But hopefully, with a bit of technological wizardry, you shouldn't be able to tell the difference. So, without further ado, welcome Jackie. My first question for you, what made you want to become a politician? For as long as I can remember, I've been interested in politics. My mum and dad were both local councillors, and I used to love election day when I rode my bike backwards and forwards from the polling station to pick up the numbers and bring them back to the committee room that was often held in my house. At school, I was quite often the person that wanted to speak up on behalf of my fellow classmates, something which drove my teachers to distraction. And I've always felt it was possible to use my voice and my ideas to change things for the better. So for as long as I can remember, as a student politics, spending a year in Parliament after I finished as a student, Even during my 11-year teaching career, when I became a union rep in order to have my say and try and change things, I've wanted to do things that are political. And it was a real joy for me in 1997 to be elected to Parliament as the MP for Redditch. I'd previously been a local councillor and I'd previously stood unsuccessfully in 1992. But that day was one of the most special days of my life. You joined Parliament in 1997. How has politics changed since then? When I was elected to Parliament in 1997, it was as part of the Labour landslide with Tony Blair as Prime Minister. So I was an MP and then very quickly, after two years, a minister in a Labour government. Of course, since 2010, we haven't seen a Labour government and um, I fear that we might not see one for some time to come yet. So that's been a big change in our politics. I think that MPs are much more under scrutiny now than certainly they were at the beginning of my time as a member of parliament. I think they have a harder time. There's much less deference and much higher expectations of them. I'm quite glad that I was an MP in what I see as the golden years, not only because there was a Labour government, but because I think MPs were treated much more fairly, both by their constituents and in the newspapers then than they are now. What inspired you to write Honourable Ladies, Volumes 1 and 2? Back in 2016, Ian Dale and I were thinking about the fact that in 2018, it would have been 100 years since the first woman was elected to Parliament in 1918. And we had this brainwave of getting essays about every single woman who'd been elected between 1918 and 2018 and getting other women to write essays about them. It was a brilliant project and women were really enthusiastic about writing those uh, essays, particularly when we asked MPs, women MPs to write about their predecessors. And I'm really delighted that we carried out that exercise, following it up with volume two. In volume one, we did 1918 to 1997. And in volume two, we did 1997 onwards. And of course, the 2017 general election meant that we suddenly had a whole load more women that we had to find writers for. But it probably just added both to the size, but also to the interest of both volumes. 
And what was the research and writing process like? Well, Ian Dale and I decided that we wanted other women to write the essays about all of the women MPs. So the first thing we had to do was to try and work out who would like to contribute. We had a whole range of people from existing MPs, former MPs, through journalists and academics. Almost everybody that we approached to write a um, an essay, or in some cases more than one essay, said yes. They were really excited about the project, as we were. So then we gave them their um, person to write about. We gave them a style guide so that they'd be roughly similar. Um, and we told them particularly that we didn't just want hagiographies or straightforward histories, but we wanted something that perhaps reflected the personality of the person writing as well as the MP that they were writing about. And I'm really delighted that that's what we ended up getting. There was a big editing process, but on the whole, with the exception of a few people who never ended up producing their pieces and we had to quickly find somebody else to do it, everybody really responded well. And I was, and Ian, I know, was delighted about the quality of the essays that we received. Who was your favourite politician to write about? In volume number one, I wrote about Shirley Williams. I'd actually come across Shirley Williams as a child because my mother was her agent when she was the MP in Hertfordshire. Of course, she was an interesting character for me because whilst she'd started as a Labour MP, she'd then shifted across to the SDP and then into the Liberal Democrats. But I'd always admired her and I really enjoyed the research and writing about her. And I hope giving some of my reflections about where I thought she'd been successful in her career and where, for example, I thought actually she'd been dumbed down. For example, I think she could have been a successful leader of the Labour Party, but she didn't herself put herself forward. And of course, sometimes she was discouraged by the men around her who wanted to play that role themselves. Rather a typical story, I'm afraid, for successful women in politics. Do you have a politician that you look up to? Um, why? Well, I don't think it will surprise people that I very much look up to Tony Blair, the person I consider to be Labour's most successful leader ever. And of course, the Prime Minister when I was elected to Parliament in 1997. But I've also got an enormous amount of admiration for my mum, who was a local councillor, who I think had she not been bringing up three children during the course of the late 60s and 1970s, would herself have been successful as an MP. She stood for selection, but it was much more difficult for women to get selected in those days. And she was the person that really introduced me to the nitty gritty of politics, people knocking on our door at home because they wanted to talk to her as a local councillor. So those are two people in particular that have inspired me, but I've looked up to lots of others as well over my time and been inspired by women politicians, even in a funny way, Margaret Thatcher, because although I didn't agree with what she stood for, she at least demonstrated to me as a teenager that women could get to the very top in politics. Do you think that political parties should be doing more to encourage women to become involved in politics? I think it's enormously important that all political parties are looking to broaden the representation. I don't just think this is important because it's fair to women. I actually think we make better decisions in politics if we've got a team that reflects a wide range of interests and preferably a balance of men and women. 
I've been involved for some time now in the Labour Party with the Labour Women's Network that supports women to get selected as parliamentary candidates. And actually, I think is a key reason why we've now got more than 50% representation of women in the Parliamentary Labour Party. There's still a bit of a way for other parties to go, but I know that they're all working on it in different ways. I support all women shortlists in the Labour Party, but I know that that's something that others have veered away from. In the Conservative Party, I know that the Women to Win initiative, supported by Theresa May, as well as many others, has led to more women being selected. And the Liberal Democrats, who actually for a while had a shamefully low number of women MPs, I know are also looking at initiatives in order to get more women uh, selected and elected for Parliament. If you want a Parliament that looks like the people it represents, you've got to make sure you get more women in there. And that means you've got to take some sort of positive and distinctive action. Do you think that today's female politicians struggle to get their voices heard in Westminster? I think it continues to be tough for women politicians, notwithstanding the fact that we've now had, obviously, two women prime ministers. We've had four women uh, who've now been the uh, Home Secretary. We've had a woman as the Foreign Secretary. We still yet haven't yet managed to get a woman Chancellor of the Exchequer. But thank goodness, with Annalise Dodds, we've now at least got a shadow woman Chancellor of the Exchequer. But actually, what you tend increasingly to see is that women are having an enormous influence over politics and in Parliament. Betty Boothroyd is the first Speaker of the House of Commons, uh, making a real impact. And women are all levels of government. There's more to be done to make sure that they have their voice heard. But we've made some good progress. What is disappointing, of course, is the way that women still tend to be represented in some areas of the media bit too much of a focus on what they're wearing, what they look like, and a little bit too too little focus on what they're actually achieving, which across the political parties is an enormous amount. You've made the jump from working as an MP to working as a commentator. Was it hard? And do you now have a different perspective on Westminster and politics, having commented on it? Well, It was very difficult for me when I lost my seat in 2010 and moved on to that third element of my career. I'm now really fortunate to have a successful and enjoyable career chairing a large NHS trust, chairing a children's trust, working in the Middle East on political and parliamentary development. And of course, doing my podcast for the many with Ian Dale and being a political commentator on Good Morning Britain and in other places. Look, it's much easier to comment on what politicians are doing than it is to actually do it yourself. It's quite easy to stand outside the difficult challenges, the relentless pressure and the really tough choices that politicians have to make. And I enjoy commenting, but I also continue, I hope, to try and be sympathetic to the challenges that politicians are facing, particularly at a time like this during the coronavirus. I'll be critical of government But I do know something about what it's like to be at the centre of a crisis in government. And therefore, I'll also be supportive of the way in which politicians are having to operate at this time and in quieter times as well. What are you doing to stay occupied during the lockdown? Have you picked up any new hobbies? Look, I'm a really gregarious person. One of the things I love about work is being around other people. So actually having to work from home. I'm finding pretty difficult. 
I'm still doing a lot of meetings related to the NHS Trust I chair, to the Children's Trust. I'm appearing on Good Morning Britain uh, from my kitchen uh, via Skype. And I'm doing my podcast with Ian Dale uh, equally uh, virtually, although actually we've always done it sitting in our front room. So that's slightly less uh, different. I've been quite busy. So that's my excuse, I'm afraid, for actually not picking up any new hobbies. I think sometimes we expect quite a lot of people who are going through this difficult time. I'm just pleased if I get through each day with a reasonable amount of sanity. And I suppose I've done a little bit more knitting as I've sat at home in the evenings watching the telly. But I'm afraid I'm not going to be learning a new language or anything else. And actually, I say to everybody, take it easy on yourselves. Be kind to yourselves through this difficult time. The most important thing is that we are staying at home, that we're helping the NHS and saving lives. And that's a big skill and a big talent of its own. And finally, what's next on the agenda for you? Have you got any projects that you're working on? Well, I'm really enjoying my time working in the NHS. It couldn't be any more significant, of course, than it is uh, at the moment. And I've got another two years doing that. I've just started on a project working in Lebanon on helping to develop women in political parties and in the political system in Lebanon. That's really fascinating. And hopefully we'll be able to get back there sooner rather than later in order to carry on with that work. I'm loving the podcast that I do with Ian and let's hope that we get many more uh, listeners and of course I enjoy my TV work and let's hope that I'm able to do a bit more of that as well. I'm really encouraged by the idea that Keir Starmer is now the leader of the Labour Party and feel much closer to the Labour Party and hope that I'll be able to be involved as a campaigner at least knocking on doors and helping to get Labour back into government. Thanks for listening to Bite Back Chats Books. A massive thanks to Jackie for taking part and for answering all of my questions. And if you enjoyed this podcast, why not check out her reading over on anchor.fm forward slash buyback hyphen publishing or by Honourable Ladies Volumes 1 and 2 on our website. And do check out our social media feeds for the latest on the Bite Back Book Festival. Until next time.